You are listening to the Techie Leadership Show with Bogdan and Andrei. Hello people and welcome to another episode of the Techie Leadership Show. Today we are recording live in the offices of Mad Apes Yash in the sunny city of Yash. Together with me we have the fabulous Vlad Durna. He's the founder and CEO of MadApes, a JavaScript consultancy with expertise in cracking tough, complex business problems in innovative ways, banking on his over 22 years of software development experience to make millions for his clients. Back in 2013, he started Romania's first JavaScript user group. He's been helping organize events and connecting people around Yash.js since then. He frequently speaks at conferences about JavaScript and architecture. Vlad spends his weekends buying more cars than he needs and spends quality time with his family. Hello, Vlad, and welcome to the show. Hey, Bogdan. Nice to be here. For uh, our guest listeners, uh, Vlad and us go way, 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 way back since the early 2000s. Um, the benefits of being uh, born and raised in the same city, I guess, and uh, mixing in the same circles. Uh, Vlad, would you like to add a little bit more about yourself? Well, I wouldn't, but uh, I perhaps I should, right? Sure. Of course. Yeah. Go right ahead. So, um, let's see. What can I say about myself? Uh, I'm a software engineer, first and foremost. Uh, I've been doing it since I've been 12. I started out uh, working for small uh, advertisement agencies doing Flash. And then I just progressed from there. Went to uh, the university, uh, the computer science university. Went to the computer science high school. Um, and yeah, I, I went for a lot of languages. Uh, programming languages, and then I settled on JavaScript around seven or eight or nine even years ago. And uh, I've been doing JavaScript since then. I'm, uh, I'm really passionate about it. I've become pretty good at it with time. Just pretty good? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm decent. Uh, and yeah, I think that's me in a and the gist of it. Yeah, I have a company now and uh, we do consultancy on JavaScript, but we try to stay small and humble and just provide the best JavaScript care the customer needs. Well, I have a question for you. Like, after all your experience with all the languages and having such a rich background as a software developer, why did you choose JavaScript? Oh man, it was by mistake. I used to work at a company uh, here in Yash, and I used to be a um, software engineer there. And my technical lead at the time, my team lead, he used to mention me as being the front-end guy to all the clients. They they had a front-end question or something like that. And it was because I knew CSS. It had nothing to do with JavaScript. I was really (laughs) bad at JavaScript at the time. So, uh, yeah, I had to learn JavaScript because I couldn't be, yeah, what about JavaScript, guy? And I would be, uh, I don't know, JavaScript. I just know CSS. So uh, with time, I've, I've, I learned JavaScript and I got good at it. 
I think in, in a year I started uh, the user group. Uh, I started it mostly with a friend from Amazon, uh, mostly because uh, we wanted to just spread JavaScript a bit more in the city. There were no JavaScript jobs at the time. Uh, JavaScript wasn't considered a language. Okay. Language. Um, yeah, for some guys like <laughs> you, Beck and Ruby a-holes, it isn't, yeah. Uh, but no, and we wanted just to have jobs so we could get hard on JavaScript because I was working as a .NET developer by then. Okay. So yeah, uh, it was an opportunity for us to spread the language we liked. Uh, great idea what can i say and managing like a user group it's it takes one style of leadership and, and at the same time i know you manage lots of teams so you have a rich experience of working with people that had to answer to you and also working with people that well they don't have to answer to you they have to like you <laughs> to come to to the meetups so i'm really curious about your stories uh, on leadership so without further ado, what is the biggest leadership success story you witnessed personally? Well, before that, uh, I just want to underline that running a user group or a community is totally different than running a team. Yeah, They're for two sure. different monsters. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, when you run a community, nobody has to say anything to you because they don't, take, they, they don't need to take responsibility about what they do. So, uh, yeah, you just want, I don't know, you hope that people will do what they say they do. Okay, since you opened, like, this door, like, yeah. what would be some tips, some leadership tips on how to grow a community and have people show up and enjoy and spread the word about the community? Oh, I have no clue how I did that, by the way. It just oh. grew by itself. I mean, just be honest about that. Okay. I think that's the best tip. Just be honest. Just be uh, human. Understand that people will not be able to do the stuff that they say they will be do doing because of okay. time, because of family, because of work. And understand that this is just something on the side for people. Okay, so don't take it personally. If people don't show up, say they're going to come. Yeah. They will not come. Uh, speakers say they're going to come and do a presentation. And <laughs> they say like yeah, exactly. one, yeah. hour, one hour before, say, I'm not coming. You better have something else lined up. Yeah, and if you remember that actually happened once when you came. Oh, and yeah. I did the presentation <laughs> instead of them. So, yeah, that, that ha happens a lot and you can't get mad about it. Yeah. You shouldn't get mad about it when you're working with someone as well. Exactly. It's yeah, just keep it normal, keep it casual and be be as human as possible. From my point of view, I think it makes you as a leader go more with the flow and accept the fact that stuff will happen and it's not always perfect, but okay, just roll with it and see where you can get with it. Yeah, and and coming to that, uh, I can tell you a horror story about that. But okay, go, should, go, go. You, you said we'll, we're going to talk about the success story first. Um, yeah. Let's start with the failure story then. So, yeah, it's about me. It's about me when I was around 26. I used to work for a huge um, Dutch group. I won't say what it's called, but it was 5,000 plus people employed. I used to run one of their uh, teams in uh, Yash, uh, 
And um, I had a brilliant guy come through an internship. I actually was the guy that hired him for the internship. Uh, and I was completely different back then. I used to be a lot more intense. I used to be okay. a lot more unforgiving of people when they made mistakes. Young so, and full of vim and vigor. Yeah, something like that, yeah. <laughs> a venom, did you say? Vim and vigor. Uh, I would say venom first. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it was pretty, pretty... I was intense, let's say. And I was the intense to the point that I alienated that guy. And um, I didn't want to do that. But I had so much work. I, I was running a team of almost 13 people uh, at that time. It grew even larger than, than that. And I didn't have the, not only the time, I didn't set aside the time that that person needed from me. And um, it's, it's something that people should always take into account. Just set, the, if you're in a leadership position, set time for everyone in your team and try to engage with them as often as possible. So basically, you didn't offer that guy enough time or were you offering him time, but he was asking for more time? No, I just didn't offer him enough time. Okay. In the sense that I didn't set aside the time for that guy in the sense that I needed to make him um, progress in a certain manner. Uh, he did progress, but without my help. And uh, especially if you have a position of leadership, you're going to lose a bit of trust because you're not helping that guy progress. You know, it's, it's just a trick you have to do. It's not something that has anything to do with leadership. It's just something that will make your life a lot easier. And um, how much time is enough time? Because, you know, sometimes teams can get really big and you have to also focus on your work besides giving time to your people. So how much time is enough time? Well, that's one of the problems that I had because I used to do a full-time developer job there as well. Except putting aside the leadership role, um, your time is really limited. Um, it does depend on the person, of course. I'm a consultant, so I, I'm always going to say that it depends for anything like that. But... Um, I think if I would, would have talked, let's say, just have a regular, uh, maybe twice, twice a week meeting with him about how he's progressing, that, that's what I do now. So uh, I think that's enough uh, to just keep touch with a person and make sure that uh, everything is all right with him and he's progressing the way that he wants to progress. Uh, because... He, it's not about what you want for that guy. It's about what he wants and you making uh, everything available for him so he can do that. Well, Vlad, uh, one thing that I remarked like in your answer, you said like I was the team leader, but at the same time I was basically working in production and I had to code, be a software engineer or at the same time. Uh, do you think that's a good idea, like to have the the leaders also do coding and should they code as much as the rest of the team or 
maybe just keep abreast of what is happening in the project? W what would be like your ideas? Well, it, it depends exactly on what that person does. For example, I've been a technical lead on multiple occasions. Okay. And you just assign time for every task. A technical lead is sort of a combination between a uh, software developer plus architect plus a bit of the people management part. So okay. uh, you just assign time for each one of those aspects and you should be okay with that. Uh, but yeah, you can't develop full time. Uh, you should, I think, if you're trying to do it well, it should be around 30 to 40% of your time. Because there's a huge team, you should support them. They're going to develop a lot more than you because that's the only thing they're doing. And that's that's a great point, like you should support. Yeah. So in your opinion, do you feel like leaders are there to support their teams and help them be better? Yeah. But that's in the job description. Well, Every type of management is a support personnel. They're not production. They they don't make direct money. They they give value to the team by supporting each and every person from that team. So yeah, mm. it's it's definitely a support role. And that's a healthy mindset to have, at least in my opinion. But not everybody shares that opinion, oh, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, of course. Uh, I know a lot of people that understand that management is something. I don't know, on a pedestal and that you need a certain skill set to be a manager and not just be a human being. Yeah. They, they have it wrong. That's why I like like servant leadership because it says like if you're in leadership, you're a servant. Yep. You're not the most important person. You're actually, in a way, you get promoted and demoted at the same time when you step into a leadership position. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I don't know if it's demoted. It's... You get satisfaction from different stuff. Huh. It's like becoming a parent all of a sudden and you don't yep. get one child, you get a whole bunch of them. Now that I have a kid, it's, yeah, I can relate to that. It's very similar. So yeah, maybe people in a leadership position, they should be great parents because mm -hmm. that would help a lot. Back to school moment. Yeah, <laughs> back to school moment. Yeah. Uh, we don't advertise that if you don't have kids, you cannot be a good oh, no, no. leader, you know? But you should be a great parent. I, I said nothing about having kids. Yeah. It, it just, uh, stepping into leadership, it, I think it forces you to mature faster. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it it's like a catalyst. It's, it accelerates. And if you're not ready for the journey, you're not going to enjoy it. <laughs> not going to enjoy it a lot. Yeah, it can be very painful. Uh, there, there are no prerequisites other than having an open mind, I guess. Because first-time first parents know nothing about parenting. That's why they're first-time parents. Same thing with first-time leaders. Yeah, exactly. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. 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 No, you can be, like, born into it. Uh, not born into it. That's <laughs> something completely different. But, like, you can be meant for it. Yes. Yeah. But you, you can also be born into it. That, well. that's true it depends if your daddy has the company or huh. not and it's a good idea look if or your, your parents have like a successful company go working in it and have several positions you get lots of real experience we've done that it's yeah. hell you should never work for your parents well, it it is but you also get to grow uh, what Vlad was uh, was trying to say is never expect payment 
<laughs> of course, you've got it's, to take it. it. It's a great way to 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 get a lot of experience and do a lot of very hard, very difficult labor, very long hours. But uh, it's um, a um, launching platform. So yeah, and it's a way to learn how to stretch your buck from yeah. time to time so because you're getting paid do so it, little. Do it while you're young. Do it uh, for a while. And as soon as you have enough experience to know what you want and uh, i would say don't do it if you don't want to do it for life it's a lot better to stay from uh, stay away from it <laughs> it's a lot cheaper for yourself it's a lot better for your development again it, it depends from person to person for your nerves and stuff it's oh yeah it can be really stressful working with uh, family yes it is it is stressful but our experience it seems to be the same <laughs> Yeah. It's stressful working with family, but some other families maybe there's there's okay. It's okay to work with them. Yeah, there's a lot of family business that seem to work somehow. Uh, at least on the surface. Outside yeah. In, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Outside in, yes, but inside towards outside. Ah. It's like back end and front end. Yes. You know? It can be a shitty back end, but it's exactly, the front end. Exactly. We nice. know about shitty back ends and yeah. really nice front ends. <laughs> Nobody realizes it. Well, it's it's the it's the secret in software. You need to have like really nice front end because that's what you present. Nobody looks yeah. at the back end. Yeah, exactly. When I, when I used to do demos for clients during sprint demos or something like that, I was I was always focusing for us to finish the front end work first because they wouldn't realize if there's a back end there at all. Oh. So we would just push through the stories and then fix the back the back end later. So that's like a nugget of yeah, yeah, yeah. of wisdom, yeah, exactly. hard-earned wisdom. Um, small parentheses there. Um, going back to to um, development and uh, what I always try to to work with other teams. I, I always said, listen, when you get a requirement from a client, do the front-end stuff first, mock it doesn't matter do everything and always challenge your client to to give his opinion if he likes how he looks if he likes how it feels because this is the part where any change is easy to make and once he gives his uh, his go ahead <laughs> with uh, with how it looks then you can start and make permanent stuff go with the back end and actually uh, tie a database to it, use real data, and do the expensive stuff that uh, you can't really change on a dime. Uh, well, you can now. Nowadays, you can change that on a dime. But uh, the, what you should think about as well as don't get too much input from the client because the client will always change their minds because they're not the guys developing it. So you've got to do it on a fixed interval. So, in my opinion, that's why I think it's good to be able to show them because yep. a lot of time clients don't know what they want, but once they see it, they know exactly if they want that or not and how do they want it changed. Yeah, this is exactly what I was saying. I, I wasn't talking about input. I was talking about feedback. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, clients are humans and a lot of people, they know for sure what they don't want most people, at least in my experience, in all fields, not really sure about what they do want until they actually try something. Yeah, but you always have to think about the fact that uh, the time you spend on something, it has to be, there has to be a finality to it. You can't just 
all right, I, I've started working on something and then I, I get some feedback from the client and he tells you that you're on the wrong uh, path and then you rewrite that thing. It, it, it can very easily get untracked and if you don't track stuff, you lose money. The client loses money and you lose money as well. Paid by the hour. Even if you're paid by the hour, you've got to understand where, where those hours go. So that's really important. Uh, yeah. it's, it's really important because you have to, let's say, uh, satisfy a condition of satisfaction yes. from the client. And uh, the way you get that is by just keeping track of things and explaining as plainly and as easily to the to your client where that time has gone, where that money has gone. And doesn't like the same mentality also apply like when leading your your team inside the company? Yeah, of course. You've got to keep track of, of everything because if you keep track of everything, it's easier to talk to people, it's easier to explain, it's easier to find uh, and for example, if, if there's something that isn't going well, okay, if you have no metrics on that, some people, I'm not saying that anybody in this <laughs> okay. room, but some people might go and say that, I don't know, it's John's fault or Jack's. And it's, it's usually not. It's usually something in between. There's a, 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 I don't know, a mistake in the process. There's something wrong there. Or there's a miscommunication error. And that's why you want to keep track of everything and you want to not overly track because that gets really annoying. So how do you track? Like for me, what would you do to track a team and its progress and the projects? So do you use like software or do you just do it in your mind? Like no. some tips about tracking. The interesting part is that now we live in very interesting times let's say okay uh, because of uh, so many people working remote you track things differently there's a lot more let's say written down stuff uh, because you have to message them and you won't call them because if you call them you don't get that the sync response you just have uh, if somebody calls you you've got to leave everything that you're doing and answer that call okay and what you do you write a message to someone and you ask him, hey, how's it going on that thing? And several hours later, or several, several minutes or seconds. Or days. Or days, somebody's going to respond and tell you how it's going. So it's a bit more of an async environment right now than it would have been if you would be at the workplace and you just go, like, you go through an open space or that, or something like that, and somebody sees you there and they ask you a question. Because right now, nobody sees you there. Yeah, they don't know if you're focused, you know? working or something exactly. or not. And people, people just think, I don't want to bother him now because maybe he's working on something or something else. And you've got to be more engaged and ask people about uh, their statuses and stuff like that. Funny thing, I've always looked at um, development, well, mainly software development, as being a fully uh, async uh, process because... Let's be honest, you can't have two people working at the same thing at the same time. Oh, yes, you can. I, I did it last week. We didn't realize the stories were written differently and it was the same story. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> okay. 
generally um, the difference between, uh, as you mentioned, um, an office environment and uh, yeah. work remote environment. Uh, basically, it's not that one is async and the other isn't. It just have slightly longer yeah. intervals, but that's mainly because people don't have the experience to 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 work remote. It's something that will be yeah. solved with with with, with time, time and experience. Away. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you could just say it's a bit more async. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> though it's really dumb saying that, but yeah. Okay, and moving on, Vlad. What is the biggest leadership success story you witnessed personally? Oh, man, not to brag, but it's still mine. Great. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, let me put it this way. It's my progression through my leadership roles. Okay. It's going from the intense person that I've been to going to a really uh, a person that cares a lot more about how the people in the team are progressing than the way he is progressing a bit more a bit less egotistical well that sounds really good let's say yeah. because you've got to let put ego aside and you get a lot more done with that uh, for example uh, i i remember how intense it was to deliver something to a client and how uh, how you used to say something like uh, work hard play hard okay and we would work even overtime and then we would go and party the night away okay at at some point in my life and now it's it doesn't feel like that anymore we we get a lot more done just working normally and setting limits so what changed it's i think it's, it's experience okay I think everybody is going to tell you something like, uh, I don't know, um, oh, we we found Scrum or we found something that helps us. No, it's experience. Scrum is, it's been here without that name, without the branding, without the strict process for a long time. People have been doing it. I've done it at, at the company long before we ever heard of Scrum. Uh, but it was slightly different. It wasn't Scrum. But yeah, it just got easier with time because you get an intuition about how much you should ask a person to do. You, you have to set, and you've got to, how, how should I put this? You've got to feel for the other person to understand what he's going through and to understand that that can be your case as well and to know that that can be your case as well. Uh, it's if somebody has I don't know some distraction. I'm pretty sure, like 99% sure, that you're going to have a similar distraction as a distraction at some uh, point in time. So don't judge that person now, and just go with the flow. See what you can fix. Um, retrospection is a huge part of uh, building a good product. Having like if you if you run Scrum, having that uh, retrospective session at the end, you, you should never miss that. Y you get a lot of feedback about the way the team works from that, and uh, and I really that's the one that I would never miss. I I could miss a grooming session because maybe you don't need anything to groom in the backlog. Uh, maybe a daily 
you can always write it. You don't need to have a stand-up, um, especially now. It's really redundant. But it is the only time in the day when you can see the other person because you do a video call. And that helps you psychologically. Uh, but yeah, it's my own, my own experience. That, that's the success story. Going from a really ill-prepared person for leadership into somebody that is quite okay with it. And yeah. Funny you should um, mention about being not necessarily lenient, but understanding that when somebody's going through something that you might be grow going with something similar or went through something similar in the past. So be understanding. Another um, um, guest, I think it was Joanna, but I'm not exactly sure. She mentioned she had a, a horrible, horrible night with her young child. Um, he was crying all night. She was late to work. She got dressed. She had to pick up the child. The child, well, didn't really much like what he ate, so he gave it back. Uh, had to change, go back to work, be late. And then somebody on her team was late, didn't deliver on time for, I think, one day. Didn't deliver something, a project. Uh, she asked him why and he said you know I had some difficulties with my kids you know uh, he didn't slip, sleep uh, he threw fits and then he gave me back <laughs> his uh, dinner and uh, she said I don't know why but I went off on him there's no excuse and blah 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 and and all, a lot of people have children and how dare you use your uh, family matters to and he ma she made him feel you know, really small. And then a couple of days later, she thought about it and said, you know, that's not normal. I had the same crappy day as he he had. So I should be more understanding. It's not fair, you know. Be open to if people have problems. The only problem is if, if they're the only person that has problems always, never delivers. You know, be yeah. the kind of person that always wants to be understood but never understands. The trick that I... Uh... I, I use now is if you think you need to act right now for something, just take a couple of minutes, maybe two, maybe maybe five minutes, and think about that. Think about the thing that you wanted to say, and then say it after three or five minutes, and then see if it's the same thing, because I was really impulsive in my in my younger years and. Um, right now I, I try not to be because I want to have those spare minutes to understand what would happen if I had the same experience as that guy. Uh, I think she, maybe she had that abrupt response because of what happened uh, with her kid. But again, if she would have realized uh let's say some signs of what she was going to say uh, and just held off for two or three minutes, I think she wouldn't have said that. So yeah, yeah that's something that I do. That's and and it, it's something that it's important not to be too rash because yeah. it's easy to say stuff. It's really hard to take it back once it's out there. Yeah. Uh, it's actually impossible. And uh, you get to hurt another person and especially you also get to hurt yourself because you're going to give yourself a thrashing 
worse thrashing than somebody else could give you because how could I say that? How could I be so stupid? And have all this internal dialogue going on. <laughs> so it's best to avoid the situation if you can and just be... It comes with maturity and experience, basically. I think it comes with the with not having an ego anymore. You've got to leave your ego aside. Uh, I think that that's something that really helped me because I used to be really egotistical. I wanted to do everything. I wanted to be the best guy in the room. I wanted to answer all the questions. So what changed? Uh, it's still, it's experience and time. It's understanding that you don't have to be that guy to get the recognition that you need to get to do the politics. And um, food for thought uh, regarding what um, Andre said about not being able to take things back and then it's just going um, on repeat over and over in your mind. Um, this is some this is a, some good advice, especially for people who work in retail. Um, you will uh, be put in situations where people uh, speak to you in a very um, unpolite manner, so yeah. to say. Um, first thing, try not to take it to heart, uh, but to make yourself feel a little better, just imagine. They're speaking to you that way for a couple of minutes, okay? They speak to themselves that way 24-7. So just food for thought, <laughs> imagine as bad it, as it is for you, imagine you don't have to be put in a situation where you get to hear that awful dialogue nonstop. Now, on the other hand, I used to work on retail. I used to own a travel agency. And that was the case for a long, long time. Uh, I worked there about six years while I was also doing uh, development for different companies. And uh, that was the family business. Um, yeah, retail is different. Because in my opinion, you can always take something back if you're honest about that. So if you are truly honest, you can tell somebody, right, I fucked up. Okay. This is why I fucked up. I'm really sorry it's not going to happen again. And even if it happens again, you can still go to that person and say, yeah, man, I fucked up again. It does matter. It's a difference in relationship. The client that you see on a retail basis, that's some guy that comes off the street. You don't, no, you don't have a relationship. You don't have a relationship. You don't have a background. You don't need to work with that guy for the next 10 years. Yeah. You're never, you might never see that guy again or gal. But in software, uh, if it's a client of yours or colleagues that yeah. you have, there's, you're going to see them a lot. Yeah. And look, for example, that thing with the kid. I had that in the first couple of months when uh, my kid was born. And yeah, I lost a client. And I didn't lose a client because of... Uh, I didn't lose a client because of... Um, let's say the thing that the client thought the client thought that I wasn't working for him that I was taking on another client okay it was just such a stressful time in in my life that deadlines got a bit 
overboard and stuff like that. And it was on a continuous basis because when you're put into a new situation and I was working remotely back then and you're working remotely and you don't get feedback, it's really hard to realize that you are stretching things over and going over the lines, especially if nobody tells you that you went over that line. Oh. So, for example, that's what I'm trying to make sure in my company that never happens. For example, me not saying that you went over a deadline, I don't know, for months. <laughs> and then telling yeah, that guy, good. hey, a month ago or two months ago, you went over a deadline. Because that, that's really, it's really awkward. And for it's too both late. Parties. Yeah, and it's, it's far too late for that thing to change. And yeah, it was, yeah. It was the thing to do. I, I mean, I, we actually parted ways fairly good, fairly well. And um, yeah, uh, we're, we're actually, we talked a couple of weeks ago and we might do business in the future as well. Again, because yeah. But still, it was a, a really awkward situation. Sometimes it happens. But what I'm curious about is like, what advice would you have for um, professionals that are also, they just became parents and they have to manage having a baby and then uh, also being professional at work? Would you have some tips for, for them to make their, uh, their life easier or at least to unburden their souls? Man, if you can take your job part-time, <laughs> that's the best thing. I mean... Uh, I don't know, me and my wife, we wanted to do everything ourselves. And we were pretty stubborn about that. We liked what, what we've done with our kids. She's really smart and she, she is, yeah, again, every parent loves their kid. <laughs> but I'm not sure we would have done it like that. We would have taken a lot more help. Yeah, that's one thing. Take as much help as you can from anyone. Well not anyone <laughs> you shouldn't take it from a guy <laughs> vet them a little yeah just vet them a little but yeah if family wants to help just take help uh, you'll need it well i guess um, you should also mention one of the the better things of uh, being uh, being a citizen and live uh, living in uh, romania is that you can have up to two years maternity leave which is very helpful yeah, or paternity leave. Or paternity way. leave. I think it's a little shorter for men because yeah, well, why not? It's one or the other. But still, uh, it takes two, I think, to raise a child. Well, it takes really, a village to raise a child. Yeah, a That's why take all the help you can get. It's really hard by yourself because of the, I don't know, the repetitive tasks that you have to do. It's really mind-numbing. And uh, especially at first. And... Yeah, if you can be there for your wife or husband, you should. That's why I'm saying take all the help you can. And uh, if you can reduce our hours, even with the benefits that we've got here, if you can reduce your hours more, do that. It's going to help you have a good relationship with your spouse and your children. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh uh, my opinion, so I also have a daughter, is like if you can take a lot of time to spend with them, especially when they're really young and growing, it's time you're not going to get back ever again. 
Yeah. Uh, so enjoy it as much as you can. You, you'll get to get make more money later on. Yeah, yeah and, and that applies to a team as well, if you think about that. When you first make that team, if you spend the extra time uh, with uh, the, the people in the team, you're going to develop a relationship, a, a, lot, a, a lot of a better relationship and a lot easier. It's going to take you, I don't know, uh, a lot less time to uh, know things about the, the people in the team. Yes. Uh, it's going to take you a lot less time to understand the relationships and the chemistry between the people in the teams. And if you do like small fixes at first, it's going to pay up immensely later. Yeah. And it's also if you, I think it's a good idea not to focus uh, straight off like how can I make this thing productive? How can I make them provide the return on investment and all this? Uh, spend some time just getting to know them, being human. And then you're going to get your return on investment and productivity levels that you want. Yeah. On the other hand, the client wants to see something big at first. Yeah. And you as a leader have to manage that. Yeah, you've got <laughs> that complex it's a compromise. There's always a compromise there because, because of what you need to deliver at first. So the client gets... Uh, th there's always a... Because the client pays money for the service, they're, they're never 100% satisfied at first. So if you provide, over provide in the first, let's say sprints, we do use Scrum here, um, you're going to have a bit more leniency in the meanwhile, because you're going to get into murky waters in any project and you will be able to explain why that happened. And yeah, if you're going to be able to explain why that happens, you're going to see that the client is never going to be in a nev negative move mood. They're always going to be positive about it because you did, I don't know, it's like an arc, over provide at first, be as safe as possible in the middle, and then try to over provide when you deliver, yeah, at the end. So make a very good first impression, uh, show that you are diligent, careful, attentive, yeah. and uh, you can bank on that later on yeah, when, exactly. when, when things, when problems, and they will appear. Yeah. Such as life, such as every project, uh, yeah. the more complex or long uh, based or more people you need on it, <laughs> the higher the chance for yeah. stuff to go wrong. Bank on it is a really good way to put it. I think it's a great way. Okay, so to move on to the next uh, course. Yeah. What is your leadership philosophy, Vlad? Oh, it's be human. Let's not be an asshole. Uh, just understand that anything that happens to, one, uh, to a peer of yours can happen to yourself. Uh, don't think that uh, you're better than anyone because that, that surely isn't the case. So no God syndrome, like I am the God manager of this team. You shouldn't be in leadership. You should be in, I don't know, in, <laughs> I don't want to say where you should be. <laughs> okay. But yeah, no God syndrome, no uh, managing from an ivory tower, which is something that architects used to do. Okay. Even doing right now. Um, no uh, 
thinking that any team member is disposable because it's not um no uh why not 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 even like one that's you see it's not not providing that much to the team and maybe some team members are even complaining about that person did you make the team did you build it up because if you build it up yeah then that's a fair point yeah that's a fair point Th that's probably your issue there and yeah of course you should take somebody out of the team but have a replacement for that person and have it immediate you shouldn't put stress on the team because of some f fuck up you did sorry about the language by the way <laughs> I, I do swear a lot in english i don't do it as much in romanian i hope uh, no in romania no it's something yeah when it comes to english it's because I used to speak at conferences and uh, uh, there's there's something from Louis C.K. Uh, which I, I shouldn't promote in <laughs> these times. But yeah, Louis C.K. has a joke about him uh, uh, talking with Seinfeld and saying, uh, Seinfeld's telling him that the fuck word is like a Corvette. And then him hanging up the phone and th thinking, yeah, so yeah, I, I can use the fuck word to get uh, laughs. But uh, then realizing that uh, Seinfeld uh, lived in Long Island, so a Corvette is a pretty shitty car for him. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It doesn't help him. No. Yeah. No, regarding what you said, and just, just a small uh, parenthesis, um, I forgot the name of the author of the scientific paper, but... It was proven that people have different personalities f for different languages. Yeah. So if you speak, if you're fluent in three different languages, you have three different personalities. You're a different person in every language you speak. Yeah, of course. So food for thought for people who don't necessarily like themselves and want to change themselves. Go live some, somewhere where uh, you know another language. Try that for a while. Or get to learn another language. Or get to learn another language. And you're going to change yourself. <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> um and vlad since you i know you mentored a lot of uh, juniors and helped them grow yeah so what would be your top leadership tips you have for aspiring leaders uh, it would be exactly what i said don't be an asshole uh be human understand that everybody makes mistakes uh put yourself in the other shoes uh try to uh I don't know, try to set expectations for both the clients and the team as realistic as possible. Uh, I think this is something I haven't touched upon, but the and thing... It's hard to do. How, how do you do it? How do you set like realistic expectations? What is realistic? <sighs> realistic is something that's achievable, let's say. Even if let's say you have a really bad day, you can achieve something like that. For example, I, I tend to overestimate my work because I know in my head I underestimate it. So I, I oh. just, after I estimate anything, I just do a 2x. And it, it, it's usually spot on when I do that 2x. Right before that, uh, you know it's not spot on because I just did a 2x. And what what do you do when you're placed in a situation where the deal is already made, promises were made to the client, uh, and you have to deliver now on some impossible <laughs> deadlines? 
Yeah, that's that's the other part of uh, setting expectations. It's it's the ongoing process. It's saying okay, we can, we hopefully can deliver that, but with these exceptions, with these changes. Ah, so so and stripping it down to something that's more of an MVP. And reopening basically the negotiations with the yeah. client. Yeah, you always have to do that. So basically, you just end up telling the client, listen, I understand where you're coming from, but uh, hopefully with um, good weather and the right amount of rain, we will bear the necessary fruits you require. No, no, I, I never say it like that. I'm always downplaying it in the sense that, all right, if I think I can deliver 90% of that, I'm going to try and convince the client that I can deliver 60 and deliver the 90 in the same time frame. Because you've got to think about what the client is paying for. They're paying for an end product. If they, they're paying for a certain goal, let's say. Maybe that goal can be achieved with some uh, changes, some small changes. And the other thing is, people will always benefit from getting more. You can't overestimate constantly because when you're overestimating, uh, there's a, a saying that any task will take as long as uh, you have assigned for it. Yeah. But just be, I don't know, be in the middle. So basically always under promise and over deliver. Not always. No, because if you do it, I don't know, a couple of times, the client is going to be, all right, you're shit yet estimating. Just don't know how to <laughs> estimate stuff. You know, when it matters, like when I when I was saying about that arc at at the at the beginning at and that the delivery stage. Okay. That's best. In the middle, you should be as precise as possible. Well, that's a, that's a really hefty tip. Yeah. <laughs> really sharing your harder knowledge here. Uh, I, I believe that sharing stuff that you learn about uh, is a lot better than not doing it. It doesn't benefit anybody if you're keeping it for yourself. It does benefit somebody else if you're doing it. Yeah. And it only took you 22 years to to learn that. And yeah. I did, just did it in like mm, 45 minutes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, <something> Boom. Like <laughs> okay. Now. And this is definitely my favorite question. Vlad, are you ready to share with us what is the book that had the most profound impact on you? And again, it can be from any field. So there's a book, it's called Smart Cuts. Oh. A butcher book. Who is it? No, no, it's not it's not like spare cuts or something like that. Spare ribs. Let me let me just Google it. I've got my laptop here. Clicker, clicker. Yeah, I don't read books, by the way. I listen to them. And I. So you're an audiobook guy? Yeah. Uh, it's. Oh, yeah, I should have remembered that. It's from Shane Snow. Um, I don't read books except for technical books, like technical documentation and that. Kind of uh, hard to, <laughs> to have them on, a, on yeah, an audiobook. Yeah, it's really hard. 
and I only uh, listen to business books. Unless, and this is another food for thought for people, unless you suffer from insomnia, in which case I highly recommend very technical audiobooks. Yeah, like the only thing that I've listened to that isn't a technical or a business book is uh, Foundation by Asimov. And okay. that's just because it's brilliant. Uh, really, like I'm a really, I'm a sci-fi guy. So I really love that. But anything else I, I won't read. Uh, it's just, I think of it as a waste of time for my, for the, the so, way I'm so built. So what's the main takeaway from smart cuts? So what? Oh, it's the fact that you don't need to achieve 100% to move on. No, you don't? No, you don't. It's The, the thing that I always remember is uh, everybody in tech knows the DHH. Yes. Um, the Rails guys. <laughs> especially the Ruby guys. Uh, so he, I don't know if people know, but he's actually a pretty good uh, driver. And I'm a huge ca uh, car guy. Uh, yes. So yeah, I couldn't, that's the thing that stood with me. And what he did, for example, to, to go to Le Mans, you've got to go through other stages before that. Yes. And most, what most drivers do is they go full. They go and win the stage and then they move on after they get the trophy for that stage. And he didn't do that. He got the minimum points to move on. So he got to ah. race in the months in like, I don't know, a fragment of the time that it gets another driver to do it. Because so ah, all the other guys want to be the best at each stage. Yeah. And then they move on. And, and, and they, he, they he did forget, just the minimum. Yeah, and he won Le Mans, by the way. They, they forget that the goal isn't that stage. The goal is the long goal which is winning Le Mans. So yeah, the guy, I mean, it, it's a book about shortcuts in life. Oh. And you should always take a shortcut in life if, if you can. It's, I know it's, it's well, from Now I'm going to read the book. <laughs> yeah, it's really good and it's, it's an easy read. I, I don't like books that are hard to read. I hate them because it's my time and my time is really important. For example, my, my most favorite tech book as JavaScript, the good part, because uh, Douglas Crawford describes JavaScript, JavaScript 5, by the way, not the current one. He describes it so completely in 80 pages. Well, one something, 100 and something pages. It's 80 uh, physical pages. So completely that you would never think that it could be described so well. And most of the books on JavaScript from that period, they were 500, three, uh, I don't know, uh, at minimum 300 pages. Whoa. They would go to 1,000 plus. <laughs> and this guy writes everything about the language, which is the thing you should learn and not, I don't know, APIs and stuff like that. You can read an API and implement it. Describes everything about the language and as little as possible for me any type of time saver as a, a, a must a, so that would be like a, a shortcut for javascript yeah i do believe that that's the smart cut for javascript <laughs> smart cut for yeah. javascript that's great vlad yeah you should learn the language another one is learn the language first the programming language this is for any programming language <laughs> ever just learn as much about the programming language learn how you use it 
and then go to frameworks and learn stuff like what you don't start with the frameworks and no, then no, no, no. <laughs> crazy yeah. it's a and crazy idea like who would react. expect that you're killing sacred cows Vlad yeah yeah there's a lot of people making money from uh, doing that uh, giving consultancies on frameworks and uh, teaching people how to use frameworks and that's something you should never do you should learn the language and then learn a framework and not even learn it just read the API of it use it <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm going I'm usually a maverick in my industry <laughs> yeah and that's being a maverick if you can imagine that yeah that's being a maverick <laughs> by the way yeah uh, Vlad if people want to find out more about you where should they go oh I'm not really public I, I don't write a lot of stuff I, I try to interact with people face to face uh, but I've got a LinkedIn page. Okay. And if you write me on LinkedIn or on Twitter, uh, it's my uh, my last name on Twitter. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll usually respond. Yeah. Um, I'm going to put I'm not like very links. active on Twitter. I just DM people. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I always wanted to, to do this. I am going to put on links. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Because usually I, I keep hearing Andre saying, oh, don't worry, you don't even have to give me the details of the author of the book. I'll magically find it and put on And links. Bogdan is the magic, yeah. I get and it. And I, 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 I'm the one who has to rack my brains and, and, and curse at all the gods for 45, 50 minutes straight to find some obscure link to place on the <laughs> website so don't worry vlad i will put the links to your twitter <laughs> and to your linkedin and anything else you you require you can put my company website as well but i, mean, I will add that work as on the well. website as well <laughs> don't worry i will add that as well <laughs> that was awesome <laughs> well thank you so much vlad for coming on the show Right, guys, it's been a pleasure. Have a great day, everyone. Bye. Have a good one, guys. That was today's episode. Tune in daily. Rate, like, subscribe, and share, please. Oh, you can find further info and materials in the show notes on techyleadership.com, including links to the guest book recommendations.